Ladies and welcome to Poker in the Ears. I'm Uncle Daddy. I'm Joe Stapleton. My work wife, his name is James Hardigan. Happy Poetry and the Creative Mind Day, Joe. Ah, happy Never Be Able to Pay Your Student Loans Day. That's what it sounds <laughs> like. Coming up on today's show, we're peeling back the curtain a little bit on the behemoth that is Poker Stars and talking to one of its oldest employees. I'm talking uh, experience-wise, not age. I'm glad you Although clarified. I've, I was going to leap I've, in there and say, whoa, 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 whoa here. <laughs> uh, and we're going to be talking to him about what it's like scheduling some of the most complicated online poker schedules in the world. And we will be asking him all the relevant questions. His name is Steve Claricoats, and he is the head of poker operations for the global market for poker stars. And he'll be talking to us about the science of scoop. Can we? Giles, can we get a little reverb on that? I'm going to go again. Here we go. Ready? The science of scoop. I have no way of knowing if that happened or not. Uh, we will not be asking him about why you get so many bad beats. Bad beats. Oh, that's fun. That's I it. Like you, that. you, two's enough. <laughs> the budget shot on <laughs> reverb. Uh, and also this week's super fan is Andrew Dickinson and... You ran into this guy? Yeah, recently, he made the James? final table of a mystery bounty event at the Irish Open. And uh, we had a chat about his superfan subject, which is the 1995 movie Seven, spelt with the number seven instead of the letter V. I'm glad that uh, that movie gets away with that because it's awesome. But um, everything else since then that does that, not a fan. Unless Steve has been planning Scoop starting with the number five. In which no, case, I've, I've, I, I've seen, I saw the announcement this week for the full schedule, and it's very much the letters S C O O P. Okay, um, very good. It's not, it's not double zero P. <laughs> now, I, I, I know already that you're going to make some excuse about why you haven't rewatched the movie Seven. Um, you were playing poker, weren't you? Yeah, so I have this this home game that is uh, my my commercial agent has invited me uh, to play in his home game. And what's cool about it is not really like an industry game, so I don't really have to worry about like networking or schmoozing. It's just like a bunch of, no offense to them, but like old farts. That they don't even talk. It's um, it's like one, two, limit, Omaha, Big O, occasionally pineapple. If you suggest, it's it's a dealer's choice game. If you cr suggest crazy pineapple, like everyone groans, um, stud. And they're all high-low games, and the stud game has a declaration at the end, so you have to like put a chip in your hand and decide I, if you're going. I'm going to say at this point, give me a movie about serial killers any day of the week. Yeah, so this. I do like the game. It's fun. Like All the guys are like are, are, are funny and, and quirky, um, but it can be very frustrating poker-wise because they're all split-pot games. There's no bluffing, obviously. Uh, the only bluffing you can do... Is, oh, another thing that happens in the game that's a little strange is um, if you're playing in the stud hand, it's like eight guys, right? You're playing seven card studs. So, like, if people, if, if everyone goes to the river, like, you run out of cards. Like, I've, like, the deck is so thin sometimes when you're dealing, like, big O. Um, so, one of the things is that if it gets down to heads up in a stud game, you can just chop it, like, without playing it out. Um, so, yeah. So, there's some, like, little weird quirks to this game. So, the, the first time I went, I uh, in this one dollar, two dollar, like just like basically nickel dime game, I cashed. I like I profited like one hundred fifty bucks. And the second time I went, 
I profited like 170 bucks. And last night, I got fucking my wiener punched in for $240 I lost last night. Hold on. I'm trying to do the math. Does that mean you're still slightly ahead or at very least break even on this game? I think I'm... I think I'm slightly ahead. Yeah, I think um, you are. But I got absolute, and I guess in like a you know, like a, in a game where like the big the so the way it works too is like however many cards are on the board is how much you can bet limit to five. So like if there's a flop, you can bet up to three. If it's on the turn, you can bet up to four. If it's on the river, you can bet up to five. So um, last you know night was just. I think I'd rather rewatch Battlefield Earth. The play this game. <laughs> no, no, no. I like I do like the game and I like the dudes, but it was a very, very frustrating game yesterday where like I would I would have like the nuts on the turn, always a board p- changing card on the river. You know, and obviously anyone that has a draw to the you know to anything is gonna be there. Full house over full house. Uh f- I got beat quads versus a full house. Uh on two two different occasions I had a full house that lost to quads. So I was up very late last night, nickel and diming poker, getting uh, getting completely owned by um, by people that I should probably have an advantage over. But no, I just got I just got totally dicked around. So and and I didn't watch seven. There you go. Um, before we get to Steve, I just had to tell you about this weird exchange I had on Twitter. A weird one. Not not a, like a not a, you guys who follow me on Twitter know that I get into some dumb shit on Twitter. But Most of your exchanges on Twitter turn into down to out and out fights. I did get someone yesterday to apologize though um, when I said I don't understand why you're such a mean person and she was like you're a comedian you should have thicker skin and I was like I, just because I notice you're being mean doesn't mean I have thick skin you could be a nice person and she was like you know what you're right I'm sorry. That was cool. Not what I was going to tell you though. So there's this guy that um, was tweeting at me recently, and he was like, hey, have you ever thought about bringing back the big game? And I'm like, yes, of course I've thought about bringing back the big game. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. I always try to be like a little nice, but also not exactly mask the fact that like obviously I have thought about bringing back the big game. And the guy went back and forth about like what a great idea is and why we should do it and blah, 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 blah. And... I was like, oh, quick, thanks a lot. You know what? I tell you what, you know, you have to talk about the people at Poker Stars is really who you have to talk to. Knowing full well that the people at Poker Stars have also thought about bringing back the big game and might actively be thinking about bringing back the big game. So I got a DM from that guy this morning. And he says, hey, I'm the guy that was harassing you about the big game reboot. Thanks for the lead. They responded. I started a petition. If you feel like checking it out, oh no! Feel free to pass it along. Oh no! If not, uh, no worries. As as someone on the inside, it does not require any petitions. You're not <laughs> wrong. the 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 question should we bring back the big game is asked at least once a year, and there is genuine desire from a lot of people in the business to do it. You just have to understand that logistically, it's a very hard show to make work from where do you film it, who plays, how many episodes. Uh, but also, the biggest thing, and you know this, Joe, because we've spoken about this over the last seven years, every time it's come up, my biggest fear is, was the big game lightning in a bottle? Was it a show of its time? Was it a show of that era, the pre-Black Friday era, and if we did try to bring it back, would it be a pale imitation of its former self? That's my biggest fear. 
Look, I think it's a good question. Obviously, I, I can't answer this. I can't answer this question um, without major bias. I, I think no. I think you can do it. I do think that. And one of the things I think the reason why it hasn't happened since then is that we would want to do it right. Yes. And so if you don't do it right, then maybe it does end up being a shadow of its former self. So that's one thing I'm yeah. worried about. Now, what my question is about this particular person, though, is who at PokerStars would have told him to start a change.org slash reboot the big game, which is in his his Twitter profile now. And I don't want to be rude to him. But, oh, wait a second. Now I'm looking at it. He's using all of the... <laughs> He's he's using the party poker big game art and graphics. Now he 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 does in the text and oh the text it does it does describe our right. version. I'm, I'm going to say game. now this petition is completely self defeating. And if there is one thing that is going to ensure that many people at PokerStars, including myself, <laughs> never go anywhere near the big game ever again. It's stuff like this. <laughs> so I, I guess my, my ultimate question to you is, he was like, you know, you if I got him to change, let's assume I got no, him no, to no, change No, 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 just, just, just one word. Stop. Yeah. Okay, so I don't need to share this petition. No, you do not. prove there's an no. appetite for no. the big game. I think the key thing is, as you said, Joe, if it's going to happen... You need to do it properly. And there's a lot of moving parts. It's clearly not a cheap show to produce. No. So if and when the time is right, and if and when the desire is there to do it the right way, there will be a big game season three. How far in the future that is, I don't know. But this kind of activity is not going to help. The conversations okay. take place regularly. We don't need people creating petitions with someone else's IP embedded into them. I will. I will. I will share those exact words conversations happen regularly about bringing back the big game this is not necessary perfect pr response thank you james but yeah right. i would i would be very interested to know who at pokestars he spoke to uh, <laughs> right now we are going to speak to someone very important at pokestars very pleased to have on this week's show as we go behind the scenes at stars uh, steve claricotes who is the head of poker operations for the global market. Steve, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me on. Uh, did I get your title correct? Because I know that job titles at PokerStars tend to be very long and often change frequently. Global market, that's the important part, the globe. Right. So just to be clear, this is what used to be called or what we commonly refer to as .com. You worry about kind of the countries that all still play together and someone else worries about France, Spain and Italy and someone else worries about America. Yeah, that's correct. We've got a few liquidity pools now, and I look after the, the dot-com one, and we have different teams looking after those other, um, Southern Europe, Italy, whatever. The so things we, that you do must inform those other markets too, though, right? Like, does it start with you, or are they completely independent? How does that work? Oh, it's 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 often vice versa. Like, we learn from oh. from those liquidities as well. Um, we do things, and, and they'll follow. Um, so it's all kind of interlaced. We work together as, as, a, as a pretty much a, a big team. Cool. Yeah. Of course, I know, Steve, you go back to when we didn't have to worry about that, when the entire world all played together. Um, we will get into your history with the company in just a bit. But just to be clear, when we talk about poker operations, what does that actually mean? What does your job actually entail? 
So it's it's looking after the poker games that we deliver to our customers, basically. So so I manage a team of of people who look after pretty much our multi-table tournaments um, exclusively. Um, so that's our regular tournament schedule, like our, our repeating uh, tournaments. So the bigs, the hots, the bounty builders, Sunday Million, things like tournament series, Scoop, which I'm sure we'll get on to discussing, yeah. WCoop, um, bounty builder series, and, and also our promotional one-off tournaments. So like the Sunday Million anniversary, which we just had, um, the Sunday Storm anniversary, these kind of things. Now, am I right in thinking you were one of the first 100 employees of PokerStars? I was, yes. I'm employee number 66, I think. Wow. Uh, employee number 66. Uh, what year was that? I'm not then? a number. <laughs> um, so that was, that was 2004 I had my interview, and 2005 I joined February. I mean, that is coming on 20 years, Steve. You have been I mean, there given that I'm still in my mid-20s, I don't know how that works. Ah, <laughs> I, look, I assume that uh, your, your experience and your knowledge is what has kept you employed for so long, but do you think that also that you just know where all the bodies are buried at this point? And I don't mean that in like a... But just I would imagine it, it's such a complicated thing that you must be just absolutely integral. The, the polite expression, Joe, is legacy knowledge. Yeah, oh, really? yeah. In no, institutional knowledge, exactly. Um, yeah, there's there's a bunch of tools and buttons which no one's clicked for 15 years, which which I know what they do, and that's that's probably what's kept me here. Uh, yeah, go, going back to that time. So, what what was your your story? Were you like a poker player, a, a, a poker fan? How did you end up working for the company? So so yeah, I was an accountant and a recreational poker player, which was a pretty good combination in the early 2000s, right? Um, yeah. Uh, and I was playing kind of casually on PokerStars, and I got a pop-up message that basically said, we see you're a poker player from London. We're opening a London office. Do, do you want to come and work for us? Um, and so I went through the whole application process, test, and a few interviews, and, and joined as one of the first employees in the new London office. Um, and so, yeah, that was, that was early 2005. Do you, do you have access to be able to send people those pop-up messages? I think I do now, yeah. We could have a lot of fun with this, Steve. I don't know. I, don't, I would never want to do anything mess with game integrity, but if you can literally just send someone a message, be like, "Hey, you. Hey, what's going on? You having a good time?" <laughs> that would be so tempting. So I love the fact that you, the job advert was literally a pop-up message on PokerStars. What was the job? What did they hire you for initially? So it was a, a poker specialist in customer support. So it was joining the customer support team, but but concentrating on poker specific things like game mechanics, hand histories, um, and, and game, game security in those days as well. So what jobs have you done over the years? Because now I think I'm right in saying you're on the Isle of Man, right? You're no mm -hmm. longer in London. So what jobs have you done over the years? And at what point did you move to PokerStars Island? Yeah, so I, um, I, I stayed in customer support for a while. So doing the poker specialist uh, job there and became a support manager, managing a team of people in customer support and helped hire a lot of the language um, agents that we had in London at that time. Um, so that was pretty cool. In in about 2011, I joined what was then called the Poker Room Management Team, right? Um, to become the UK and Ireland Poker Room Operations Manager, which mostly meant giving poker expertise to the marketing teams, being involved in promotions, uh, and and qualifying people to the UK IPT. Those those early seasons of the UK IPT, which was really cool. When um, when you were the um, supposed to be like the poker expert, sort of, in did you ever? experience uh, imposter syndrome like oh man like man i don't even really know i'm just an amateur poker player i'm just as a hobby or were you the guy like and confident in that role 
No, a lot of it was just like hand rankings and and what makes sense to a poker player. Like it wasn't advanced kind of poker knowledge and GTO theory and this kind of stuff. It was very very straightforward. What are the basics? And so it was poker. just that everyone else was so new to new to it that even th those sorts of things they needed help with. Yeah, exactly. We were dealing with marketing professionals who know their business, but but not necessarily the poker business. So just a little bit of um very basic knowledge that needed to be passed on. Got it. So uh, we got to 2011, working on the UK and Ireland. Are you still in London at this point? Still in London at this point, yeah. And in 2014, I joined the the tournaments team um, at PokerStars uh, in, the, in the poker room management team and looked after the whole of the live event satellites at that point. So that was qualifying people for the PCA and for the EPT. Um, and that was quite a specialist uh, job at that time. There was a lot of tours going on, as there are again now, which is good to see. Yeah. Um, so that was an involved position. And then I moved to the Isle of Man in, in 2015 with my family. And you've been there ever since. Have been arisen, there for eight years, yeah. I've risen up the ranks. And I imagine that you've seen so much change during that time. Obviously, you were around, I guess, for the creation of things like the Sunday Million, the creation of Scoop. But also, as I alluded to earlier on, where we've seen, for example, the loss of the US or where we've seen certain markets license and become ring fence, like France, Spain, mm -hmm. Portugal, Italy, which brings with it challenges, right? Yeah, of course, it's no surprise to anyone that liquidity is super, super important in, in online poker. Um, and, and you're right, when the, we had the whole world playing under one umbrella, it was, it was great. It was perfect. But then everyone starts branching off. You lose liquidity and that means longer times for games to start, lower prize pools, lower guarantees. It's it's very tricky to operate in those circumstances. Luckily, we still have quite a large liquidity pool. And and luckily, obviously, a lot of these areas are still offering online poker, which is which is really good to see. So those people can still play, but just not with the rest of the world. As someone who has, for the better part of 20 years, been dealing with something poker-related day in, day out for all that time, do you still play the game at all? Are you still a passionate poker player? Or is it like... Poker is now my job, and I will find other ways to kind of decompress. No, it comes and goes. It comes and goes. The, the bug comes and goes. Like, I don't really deal a lot with with hand histories and stuff like that these days, so I am a bit removed from from that kind of thing. But also, I do like to, to get involved. But I do find myself kind of playing now and again on other sites. Yeah, yeah. Um, so let's talk about the work you do on PokerStars, and let's talk about in the year 2023 – creating a schedule of tournaments be that the daily schedule and when there's a major online series what considerations go into that now uh, very much where we are right now having seen countries come go be ring fenced dealing with i guess very much the market as it is today um well there's there's lots to consider obviously we um when it comes to putting a series together what we think about is what's what's the purpose what are we doing with that series what do we want to do with it What's the intent? Yeah. Um, and then we think about what the character of the series is, like what, what, is, what is the concept of the series, basically. Um, and so then once you've got that lined up, then that kind of informs the detail of the series and the decisions that you'll make further along. Um, so, for example, something like Scoop, we want it to be more fun and accessible. So that will inform some of the decisions that we make later on. Yeah. Um, from then, we'll do some kind of base research, look at how liquidity is going, look at what we think liquidity will be like at the time of the series. Um, we'll, if it's how do you determine that? What what do you what do you look at? I mean, that's uh, I mean that's uh, the the statement you just made there. It sound, makes it sound I'm sure infinitely more simple than it actually is. 
Well, no, it's 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 kind of looking at a graph and saying where do we think that graph's going to be in in three months' time or whenever the series is, right? So we we know what seasonality looks like for the poker industry anyway. We've got data going back years, of course. We know that it goes down in summer and up in winter and and these kind of things. So we can kind of guess roughly where liquidity will be for those things. We can look at things like the performance of the Sunday Million or the performance of the Bounty Builder High Roller to look at do you how those look at that trending. Do you look at that data yourself, or is there a separate job of someone that looks at the data and then tells you what it means? A little bit of both. We have a we have a very very competent data team who are, who are really cool at picking out these nuggets of information and and feeding us yeah. things like that. But then we'll go into detail ourselves in when it comes down to the specifics. Looking at the performance of the big one hundred nine, for example, we'll look at that and see. Well, okay, this is how things are trending for that. It doesn't always match one to one. You know, we'll have players who don't play the main schedule, but they will come and come and play uh, a scoop event or a, a bounty builder series. So it's not a, not a perfect match, but that's the kind of thing that we look at. Let's talk about Scoop specifically, because obviously the series is coming up. We've just announced the entire schedule. We know the dates, we know how many tournaments, we know the guarantees for the main events. It, all the information's out there. I'm guessing that considering Scoop's been running since 2009, you've got something to work from, right? You can look at last year's schedule, the year before that, and see what mm-hmm. worked and what didn't work. Where do you start when creating something new? Yeah. Well, we, we, we have a bunch of comparisons from different series, right? So we have a big... Excel spreadsheet with all of the results pretty much of, of series tournaments that we keep up to date. And then we'll, again, it comes back to deciding what's the character of the series, what's the concept, what's the intent. Yeah. If it's a turbo series, for example, then we know that all the tournaments are going to be fast. And then we can look at all of the comparisons that we have. So on a Thursday, we'll probably want a big progressive KO turbo. We can look at our list of those, pick out one that looks like the best comparison, and then make some we kind of channel our inner Nate Silvers a bit and, and use a lot of imperfect information and try and um, turn that into a projection. Uh, so Sometimes get it right, sometimes get it wrong. When you're dealing with these massive schedules, multiple starting times, starting flights, if multiple tournaments a day, low, medium, and high, is this all done uh, on a computer or does anyone go back to the old like post, post-it note on a wall kind of thing? Um, you know, like you would schedule a, like plan out a TV show season or is this all like in in some sort of like com- computer for lack of like, a like some word. kind of Christopher Nolan script or something? Is it? Yeah, is that, exactly. Is that, yeah, yeah, that yeah. the idea? No, no. It's all it, we're all computerized these days, Joe. It's um, it's it's pretty high tech <laughs> over here. Um, yeah, no, we we build it in, in Excel. Essentially, we'll have an Excel sheet, and then we'll we'll do what we call our tent pole tournament. So we know that the main event is going to be here. We know roughly what's that going, what that's going to be. We know what our Sunday main events are probably going to look like going across, and then we know you know we'll know want a big progressive KO on Thursdays. We'll have that to build the skeleton. We'll have a bunch of tournaments that we know we want in the series somewhere. And then we'll play some Tetris and kind of drag and drop and see what it looks like um, and and build the schedule out that way. So uh, probably dancing around a little bit because this isn't necessarily the order that you do things, but like guarantees, how important are the guarantees and how much pressure does that put on you? If you fall short, there's this perception of failure, right? And if you exceed, if the the prize pool exceeds the guarantee, it's like, oh, they were really cynical and they weren't aggressive enough. You kind of, the number's got to be close to what the final prize pool is. And that's the ideal outcome. Yeah, of course, we've overlaid a lot of, uh, in in various tournaments and we've we've massively exceeded the the guarantees in various tournaments. It's it's all a case of projection and and prediction um, and as I said, it's a lot of imperfect information that we're trying to deal with um, in in making these forecasts, and it's not it's not always a one to one comparison. As I said before, like if if we we have the same tournament in March and July, they're going to have two very very different outcomes. 
if it's a turbo or a slow tournament, those are going to have very different outcomes if it's a progressive KO or not. So we're just making the best guesses that we can. The guarantees are obviously super important. It's something that players look at. Um, we try to be as ambitious as we can be within the parameters that we have um, and within the projections that we have. Sometimes we get it wrong. Sometimes we, we do okay with it. You said that it's important to look at what the goals or objectives of a particular series is. So if we look at Scoop in the year 2023, what is the specific identity of Scoop? Because, of course, at Inception, it was the tiered buy-ins, but everything has that now. Well, Scoop and WCoop. Right, okay. Um, yeah, look, Scoop is it's, it's a championship series, first and foremost, so it awards trophies. It's, it's, it's a championship series, which means something. Um, it's... We want it to be fun and accessible to everybody. I think out of the two championship series, this is the one that's more like a celebration, a carnival of poker um, that's accessible to everyone. So we have lower buy-ins. We have some different start times to try and get everyone involved and and have their chance to win a Scoop trophy. So when Scoop is going on, right? So here's how I picture things, and I want you to tell me how wrong or how close this is. Let's say that you were a, a guy that was like, ran the subway system of New York and you're in like a control room and you're seeing this train. Is there something like that that's going on during scoop like that you're monitoring? And if so, what is it? What does it look like? It's it's me sitting at this very desk looking at numbers tick up and kind of scratching my head. Um, it's, <laughs> it's not much more complex than that. We'll have like a bunch of comparisons. I'll have a few Excel files open, maybe a few graphs to make it look nice. Um, and just tracking the pace. So it, it is, there is a bit of that going on. And then if something starts going, if it starts looking bad, then we'll, we'll take some actions. What would that mean, looking bad? Just like not enough registrants? It, exactly that. So we'll have our line for pace that we want to hit the guarantee. And if it starts going below it, then we'll, are, we'll have to add some satellites or, or, or take some actions. Are these graphs happening in real time? Like as things are happening, you can look at them or do you have to manually <laughs> enter that data? Manually enter it, but we enter it close to real time. Like it's cool, um, cool. It's, it's it's quite a manual process, but it's it's fun, right? The sweats are fun. I like them. Uh, that's great to hear that you actually have fun doing this because I think about this and like I want to cry. <laughs> so, some people have that reaction. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably it clearly, why I've been here so long. It clearly takes a certain personality, Steve, that that you that you must have. Uh, but in terms of the preparation for the series, there's so many things to consider. The buy-in levels. The different formats, right? Because obviously any championship series we do is not just Hold'em. Of course, that's going to be the primary focus. Mm -hmm. But clearly it's important to not just pay lip service, I guess, to the non-Hold'em variants. No, absolutely. And as, as we say, for a championship series, we want to get as many games in there as we can. And that's one of the things that we've done with Scoop. Um, even five years ago, I think there were 12 or 13 games. Now we've got 18 to 20 games uh, per series. So we've got quite a lot of that stuff going on. Um, and the challenge there is to make sure they don't kind of cannibalize each other and cross over. You don't want, you know, um, two, two very similar games on the same day. Of course. And that extends to just in terms of the number of tournaments per day, right? And the start times of those tournaments. I guess that's one thing you have to consider if you think about the world is you've got people in Canada and Brazil playing, but you've also got people in the UK and in Central Europe playing, and they're all in different time zones. It's it's tricky for sure. We, we, we've kind of got our established start times now. We, we moved them back last year, um, moved them slightly earlier last year um, in Scoop just to make the, the experience a bit better. So we end the day ones a bit earlier as well to make it more favorable for recreational players. Um, but yeah, we've, we've got a, we've got our kind of our set 
segment of the the schedule that that fits into the time zones and and hopefully players can can make it but but again for this year we've got a few earlier tournaments a few european daytime tournaments uh we have a few later tournaments as well we've got a few phenomeno specials which are which are good for the brazilian and canadian players and then of course there's the small matter of how long these things should last in terms of hours in terms of days and the structures that are applied and a, a recent innovation is the idea of the rest day right which we've started putting in the major series which you know a lot of players clearly like and just i think gives everyone a little bit of breathing space yeah that was mostly for us i've got to be honest um, <laughs> <laughs> but no no it's it's a long series now right i was looking at the the first scoop schedule was 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 10 days long and now we're talking about almost four weeks yeah um, and if you're playing we have pretty generous leaderboard prizes for for these long series as well if you're aiming to have a good finish on the leaderboard. You want to play as many tournaments as you can. It's just not really responsible or practical to ask players to play nonstop for, for four weeks. So having these Fridays off, it also allows us to do some fun things with some some wacky side events and and big satellites. Um, so there's plenty to play if you turn up on those days, but just not scoop events. What wacky is your life events. like during scoop? Are you in the office six or seven days a week, 12 hours a day, keeping the same schedule as a, as a grinder? I'm mostly in the fetal position underneath the desk, to be honest. Um, <laughs> no, it's 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 a it's a normal working day, and then the evening. It depends on how the tournaments go, how those graphs look, right? When I'm at manually entering the data, if they look good, I can kind of clock off early and and not worry too much about it. If they start looking bad, then it can turn into a long night. And you but, said that the, what you do to fix that is you add satellites, like in the moment, is. Yeah, I mean, there's a, f a few different levers we can pull. We can kind of um, add, adding satellites, adding kind of lower buy-in satellites, or increasing the guarantees on existing satellites is something we can do. Some things with tickets. Um, if it's something like a main event where we've got quite a lot of notice that things might might not be going well, then we can we can give tickets away to players. We can find mechanics to to kind of get more players into the into the tournament. So when yeah, so you're watching the graph and it's not doing great, and you want to add things. What is the length of time it takes from the second you decide, shit, we got to add some satellites to those satellites going live? Um, is it minutes? Is it hours? Is it days? It's minutes. It's, it's wow. minutes. We can, we can knock up a satellite quite quickly um, these days. We'll have a lot of these kind of emergency satellites ready to go. We have the scripts ready, just, just a case of changing cool. a couple of parameters and clicking a button. So when you say scripts, these are basically like templates, if you like, for different MTTs. Yeah, exactly. Our tournaments are kind of um, put together by pieces of code, which which we call tournament scripts, and we can just click a button and upload those. So cool. So here's the really hard question then, Steve. How do you balance the different player needs? Because let's be honest, every single poker player wants something different. They do. They do. And I think you, you realize very quickly that you can't, you know, you can't be all things to all people. Um, so hopefully we've got quite a good balance with with kind of the series that we have now um we'll try and look at the once we've created our first version of the schedule we'll try and look at it from a various from a number of perspectives so we'll think if i'm a, a high stakes player who wants to play for the leaderboard what would be the annoying points of this schedule it might be the tournaments that are out of the main the main group of tournaments where you have to start early or finish late uh, it might be the two tournaments that take up a lot of a lot of focus are together we'll try and avoid that then we'll look at it from the viewpoint of a recreational player who wants to fit it around their office hours. What does the schedule look like for them? What's the annoying points then? And we'll try and fix those. And you try and come up with a with a bit of a compromise. You realize you can't have it all. Um, you try and just be 
the best compromise that you can. I'm sure it's become like almost a perfect science now, but generally speaking, how many iterations does the schedule for something like Scoop go through before it's like, that's the one print? Oh, there's like 1A, 1B, 1C, up to probably probably five versions, I would say, in general, um, depending on what we change, how much feedback we get, and the timing of the feedback. I think we've got a bit better now of getting getting all of the feedback in, in a chunk and then being able to make the changes in one or two goes. And who's giving I, that feedback? Is that internal or external? Both. Both. Um, yourself, uh, <laughs> giving giving some good feedback. Uh, we, we speak to our ambassadors. We speak to... Um, players and, and we share it around internally and we'll get feedback from a number of sources okay so you've already brought up one of the elephants in the room how big a pain in the ass is it to have someone like me coming to you with specific requests for content and streaming again we've we've, we've narrowed it down to a good science right we've i think we understand very very clearly what what you need from the broadcast and you, you very willingly both of you locked yourself in the poker stars arena for a month to <laughs> deliver us all, all this this fantastic content that we see keeps me company during my um my graph tracking uh, of an evening um there you go graph on one screen joe's face on the other what more could it on one exactly right what what an evening what a life i've got um yeah exactly that so no i think i think we we understand now what what you need and 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 the same goes for other players as well like we we get feedback and we kind of maintain that and and hopefully get better at a starting point of of being able to deliver what people want do you have to filter that player feedback to a certain degree like you know that someone might be coming from a particular position of bias and it's like okay i take on board what they're saying but kind of like i have to think about the bigger picture here no of course of course and i think players recognize that as well you know i, I want my 27 dollars stud tournament at this exact time um <laughs> it's nice if you can deliver it but but you, you probably can't i think players understand that um we also know you know we've run a, quite a few of these things by now so we've got a good idea of in some instances of what works and what doesn't so we can kind of appreciate the feedback but not necessarily implement it obviously it's a good thing that the players are able to feedback it's a good thing that the people who are actually playing this series can have influence over what it looks like what about other external factors like for example what our competitors are doing what live events are taking place do is it a case of this is what we do and we're going to do it or do we have to be mindful of what else is happening no, of course we have to be mindful. Like the poker calendar is so busy these days, um, you, you know, you, you can't throw a rock without hitting a live event, right? So it's it's really good to see. Like, wouldn't have it any other way. But it does impact our um, our thinking. Scoop now is 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 kind of it butts up against EPT Monte Carlo on one side and and the World Series of Poker on the other. So we have a very yeah. narrow um, window of opportunity to do that. And there's obviously other stuff going on. You know, there's there's some competitor events. We've got some. Champions League semi-finals are on during Scoop this year, so we'll take that into consideration. And this all goes into the kind of the bucket of um, kind of very difficult factors to to evaluate. I mean, it must have been a really strange adjustment for you because we had two years where the entire world is playing online and people just can't get enough. And then, of course, live events come back and now everyone is just desperate to play live again. And we've seen that. Numbers are huge at every single live event around the world. And it's kind of like... um. Don't forget about us. <laughs> it's, look, it's really good to see poker thriving. Like I think that's the most important thing. Um, it's we've seen that how successful these live events have been on the return, and just the Irish Poker Open last week. I was watching the streams of that. It was a really cool event. Just love to see people out there playing poker and, and enjoying it. I think if if people are out there doing that, then online poker will get its share of of, of that enthusiasm uh, at one point or another. 
Um, Joe, I know you've got a number of questions you want to ask Steve. I've got one last question, which is the other elephant in the room we need to discuss, Steve. Can we please address the fake blind levels that you insist on putting into <laughs> online MTTs? Are you talking about like the 76-152 level, like that sort of thing? It's, Why? It's, let, let's not exaggerate now. The championship series, right? Championship series deserve championship structures. That includes a 90k blind level. <laughs> I will die on this hill. <laughs> and you you even think that the 70k blind level is a fake one as well, right? So this is uh if it doesn't exist in live poker, it shouldn't sacrilege. exist in online poker. I am I'm Actually, having none of it. Uh, one of my main questions was regarding something you just mentioned. What are some of the hills that you what want to die on that like you think are very important that either are a part of the tournaments that you have uh, sort of structured over the years or that you haven't yet been able to implement uh, but would really like to? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I think, look, my job, as I see it, is to create fun and cool poker. Um, there's obviously other commercial KPIs in the back end and, and, and goals that we want to achieve. But I think my job really is to is to create a a schedule and a, and a series of tournaments that players love and the players have fun playing. Like I think that's forefront of my mind and seeing things like player sentiment, player feedback. Those are, those are kind of my goals and, and the goals of my team. Okay. okay so just to follow up to that, Steve, sure. sorry, Joe. So I know that you're obviously across what people are saying in the poker media and what people are saying on social media. Does it hurt personally when you see players take to Twitter, to, for example, to complain about something they didn't like in one of our online series? I mean, it depends how valid the complaint is. I, I, I love seeing players being passionate about it. I think I think that's the important thing. Like, players care. Um, and I think the, the minute the players stop caring and stop complaining about the stuff that you're doing, then that's probably a problem by itself. Um, so play, seeing players being passionate and, and continuing to play our tournaments. Uh, yeah, there are some things that players complain about that I, you know, I, I think are probably not as significant as they are, but there's a lot that they complain about, which is valid and, and things that we can improve upon. And I, I take that as a challenge to do, to do that. I guess my question that I was going to ask is very similar to James, but I'm just going to phrase it slightly differently and you might not be able to answer it, but are there certain complaints that you see that you're like, Oh, fuck off. <laughs> well, complaints about egregious blind levels, I think is, uh, yeah. From is James. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. The call is coming from inside the house. Exactly, exactly. Um, no, no, I don't think so. Okay. All feedback so, is welcome and valid. That's, I, I believe you when you say that, by the way, even though um, I would be completely like reading that off a piece of paper with a gun to my head uh, if I were saying the same line. I guess I, I sort of asked this before, but just to be more clear, is there like a project or a series or something that you've really wanted to do at Poker Stars that you just haven't been able to get across the line yet? Because I, I imagine, you know, you must have ideas that really haven't really come to fruition yet. I'm just wondering if you've got anything in your hip pocket. We've still got some few things on the on the on the the whiteboard ready to go um, when we get ah, the there is a whiteboard. The time to do it. There is there is a, a, a theoretical whiteboard, yeah, where, where all the golden land lives. Um, yeah, there are some things that we want to do. We had uh, we had this good idea of, of episodes where we link together tournament promotions across a year. And so you get something to play for across the whole of the year. And if you miss one or two of them, it's fine. You can still battle for kind of yearly prizes. Um, that's something I'm still passionate about. We've got some other ones where it's more about kind of yeah, just linking together promotions, linking together our, our main schedule tournaments, making a bigger thing of those. 
Um, one of the problems that I think we sometimes have is that each tournament is in isolation and it doesn't mean anything in the wider context. Uh, we, we fix some of that with, with leaderboards during a scoop and, and these kind of things, but I think we can do more in that area. All right, my final question, and we'll we'll leave this here just in case this part needs to be cut out, but <laughs> can you give me an example of something that when it happens gives you that oh shit hot stomach moment, like some mistake goes out in a tournament or something's titled wrong or just anything that, you know, we all have those moments at work. We go, oh, fuck, I can't believe I just did that. And you sort of are, are like, shit, 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 shit. Do, do you have those moments? Frequently, very frequently, uh, more frequently than I care to say. Um, yeah, a good example of that was during WCOOP. We had um, we had one of the Thursday tournaments restart, a two-day tournament restart on a Friday, the rest day. <laughs> happened, happened to be one that our boy Lex was in, uh, so I got a nice Discord message at like 1 a.m. Um, uh, drawing my attention kindly to that one. Uh, that, that was an oh shit moment. Uh, it was one that we couldn't really fix at the time. We had one, again, I think um, it might have been during WCOOP where one of the blind levels was like 10x what it should have been. And we oh, were sweating wow. whether the tournament was going to reach that level. Luckily, it didn't. It finished before then. Fuck that yeah. A, oh, that's awesome. That's really cool. Did no um, one need yeah, ever know about that one, Steve. Right. Exactly, exactly. I could have got away for it if it wasn't for you pesky kids. Um, <laughs> no, but, there, are, there are hundreds of parameters that we need to configure for each tournament, right? And, yeah. and they all need to, to fit together. Sometimes they don't. And just to be clear, when we look at Scoop, not events, but tournaments, is it 368 this year? Something like that. It's like that. Yeah, something it's, along it's, those lines. If we count all the phase ones and especially all the satellites as well, yeah. it turns into thousands. Yeah. Uh, that's that's a lot of tournaments to deploy, and it's inevitable when you've got you know a, a small team putting that together that there might be the occasional mistake. But if you think about the scale of this series, it's I always find it amazing how well it all runs, and I, I appreciate there's a certain level of stuff just happens once it's deployed. It's all automated, but equally, I know that your team is working very hard behind the scenes to ensure that everything does go smoothly for the 25 days of the series. So come June the first. Are you basically peace out? I'm done. See you in see you in August. Planning for WCOOP at that point. Oh yeah. man! Uh, the most important thing is obviously many of your colleagues recently have got to come on tour, join us on the EPT. Will we be seeing you at a live event soon, Steve? Because I basically want to actually meet you face to face and also see you at a poker table, which is clearly where you belong. That's that's true. Yeah, I hope to. Um, I'll, I'll try and get the management involved and, and get me on a on a plane somewhere somewhere. You nice. know, I'm pretty good at convincing management. <laughs> it seems like it. it seems like it. Yes. So just tell me who I need to talk to. I'll I'll butter him up real nice. If you can get me in one of the 25ks, that'd be nice. <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, that's really testing my power. It's like an unbreakable where they're like, "How much weight can you lift?" <laughs> so with less than a month to go, Steve, scoop starting on Sunday, seventh of May. Uh, everything that's happening during that period, what's the one thing that you're really looking forward to? Is there anything different this year, anything new this year, or is it just a variation on a theme that you're particularly excited about? No, it's 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 continuing with the accessibility. So we still have the, the small buy-in events, the $2.20 um, scoop events, which are really cool. We have the phase tournaments, which are $2.20, $11, and $55, which, which can offer some really big prizes to players from, for low buy-ins. Uh, we have these these earlier time zone tournaments, which which I said before, and and the phenomena specials to stretch the tournaments out later, which I'm excited to see. And then just re yeah, really seeing people picking up trophies, seeing the the battle for the leaderboards, always a fun sweat, um, and and hopefully everything going right and not having those hot stomach moments.
Well, Steve, thank you so much for taking time out of your very busy day to talk to us. It's been awesome to get a kind of insight into the work that goes into this. And uh, even though we've worked closely together for the last couple of years, I've learned a lot today. And Joe, I'm sure you've found it interesting as well. Really? Yeah, absolutely. But I'm very, very glad that Steve handles all of it. And I don't. (laughs) (laughs) You and me both. (laughs) I was going to say, as as are the players. Steve, thank you very much. Thanks very much. and, uh, And good luck to everyone in school. Oh, and here's a hashtag fun fact, Joe. When we have a superfan winner, it's Steve's team who I email to say, can you give this person a Sunday Million ticket? So hopefully, in around 20 minutes' time, I'll be sending one of those emails because Andrew Dickinson, you are this week's superfan. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. I am chuffed to bits to be here. Uh, looks like you got a nice little setup there. Are you already uh, a, a, a frequent Zoomer slash broadcaster? I am on Teams all day, every day. So I don't use, I hardly ever use Zoom. But um, yeah, I use Teams a lot. So is that something you guys use, James? Teams, the people that that have to do no, actually use, work for a living. No, we we okay. we use Zoom. It's kind of like you know VHS versus Betamax. Um, yeah. Now, Andrew, let's 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 cut to the chase. I got to meet you face to face because you came to Dublin, you came to the Irish Open and you played the Mystery Bounty event. You were coming back for day two when I saw you. The next time I saw you, you were at the final table in the top four. Yeah, I know. I know. Can you believe that? (laughs) I was so lucky. Oh, I love it. I love a good I was so lucky story. So uh, No, but really, I was. I actually was really lucky. So it's not one of those humble things. Was it one of those things where you were so lucky because you made it to the final four of a bounty event and had no bounties? Well, kind of. I had one bounty, but my all-ins that I won were threes against Jacks, uh, River the Straight, oh, ace God. five against ace five against ace queen, River the Straight, <laughs> ten Jack against ace seven, River the Straight. Oh, goodness. and then and then I then I went in. I shoved. I shoved. There was a shove with ace king. Uh, didn't see obviously. Then a call. I reshove with sixes on the button, and the the caller called. They both had ace king, so sixes hold up. And uh, suddenly, well, you were I ahead am, in uh, that one. Yeah, <laughs> well, that's be good true. For once. That's true. That's true. Yeah, I, I get. I guess that's true. Yeah. More importantly, I'm going to say, Joe, the way this guy's running, you're screwed, buddy. There's no chance you have. <laughs> Actually, here's some really good news. I was so tired when I was leaving Dublin. That I I had my iPad out and I was like, I know there's a movie I'm supposed to watch on the plane and I can't remember what it Uh is. And it was seven. And so I have not recently rewatched seven. So you're still running fucking golden, (laughs) Andrew. Well, Joe, I gave you a bounty. Did you not see that? I said, if you beat me, I would donate 200 pounds. You're just so that you would uh, that you would revise. Did, did, oh my god! I did not that. see that. I did not see that. Yeah. At, I'll uh, double. I'll double the bounty then. Go on, if you. <laughs> my goodness. I mean, uh, just glancing through Patrick's questions, I think if you know the movie relatively well, you might be okay, Joe. Andrew, I said to you in Dublin, 
and I don't know whether you've rewatched the film in the last 48 hours, but I have not watched it in a number of years. And I wonder now, considering the reveal of who plays the villain, how that plays in the year 2023 with yeah. what we now know about that individual and how many of us feel about that individual. Yeah, but, you know, we talked about that, and there are, there are so many. I, I You do try and separate the art from the individual, don't you? Yes. But then, you know, you got Woody Allen and... I don't have Robert a hard Jackson. time doing it if they did the thing, if the movie was before I knew the stuff. Like, it's, it's not yeah. as difficult for me. I'm not saying it's perfect, but I'd have a much harder time going to see a new movie with Kevin Spacey as specifically the hero. Um, yeah as opposed to something that's already in my brain from before I had all that information. Yeah. Yeah, um, no, I get that. More importantly, Andrew, before we do get into the meat and potatoes of this segment, before we get to the quiz, just give us a quick summary of your life, your world. Tell Are us about Andrew Dickinson. What's your thing, bro? I'm, I used to be. I haven't hit that bag in anger for, for a long time. But um, so... for pleasure? <laughs> No, uh, I've kind of given up the boxing. Uh, I get, during lockdown, I did quite a lot. That's, so that's oh. not that that long ago. But so, um, so I I work for the largest wholesaler of mobile data in the UK. So that's that's a little bit different to your normal IT geek. Uh, I, I don't know. It's kind of information technology related. I'm I'm going to say that you fall within <laughs> the the Venn diagram of superfan IT also person. What does that mean? How do you wholesale data like SIM cards in bulk? Yeah. Okay, SIM, SIM cards. But we sell we sell through the channel. Um, company called Jola, which is uh, my two children's names conflated, so uh, there'll be a legacy for them hopefully. And cool. um, yeah, so we we sell to people that sell to companies. Put right. it that way. So if you think every ambulance in the UK has got one of our one of our SIMs in it. Wow. All right. Sounds uh, like you've done well for yourself, Andrew. Congrats. We try. Thank okay, you. well, let's see if we can give you the opportunity to win more at the poker tables, at the online poker tables, with a Sunday Million ticket on the line. Um, there are 10 questions about the movie Seven. What number would you like first, Andrew? <laughs> I was going to pick Joe's favourite, but uh, I won't. <laughs> I will I will always be coming Seven. I mean, how do you not go with number Seven in a quiz about uh, the movie uh, Exactly, seven? exactly. Okay. So, what final deadly sin is illustrated in the movie and what is the act that illustrates that sin well the, the final sin um is actually wrath and it's the only one where someone doesn't die or well that's not quite true but it's it yeah the wrath is uh wrath is david mills and what does he do to illustrate wrath he he shoots uh he shoots uh, Kevin Spacey. He in does the face indeed. So actually, someone does die. I think what we're trying to say is it's the only killing that John Doe himself does not carry out. But well, you get the two points. Yeah. Right. No, no. Argue yourself out of that second point. There. Keep going. <laughs> I won't do that, Joe. <laughs> you can take your lucky number nine if you want, Joe. You can take any number other than seven. About. I feel seven. like James is leading me to number nine, so I'll take the number nine. I wasn't. I hadn't even looked at the question. Okay. Uh, <laughs> oh, anyway. What does Somerset need in order to fall asleep? I'll take the choices. A sleeping pill, a fan, a metronome, whale noises. Like a metronome. It is a metronome for one point. Okay, seven and nine have gone. You can have any other number, Andrew. Let's have two. 
Question number two. Who directed the movie? David Fincher. David Fincher for the full two points. Joseph. Question three. In what building does the only poker scene in the movie take place? What building does the only... This is a good question, by the way, Patrick. This is a great question, question. Patrick. A really good question. I don't remember there being a poker scene. I'll take the choices. Is there poker being played in a library, a police station, Mills' apartment, or a diner? A diner. It was the library. When Somerset goes there late at night to research books on the seven deadly sins. (laughs) Remember books? Well, that's his thing, right? He basically taunts the fact that the people working overnight have all these books around them and they're sat there playing cards. Uh, Where are we? Andrew, your question. And what's gone? Two, three, seven, and nine have gone. I'll have number number one, please, James. Number one. Why did the Mills' estate agent show them around their apartment so quickly? Because it was underneath a subway line and uh, that you wanted to avoid the uh, times of the trains. Indeed, as the building shakes when the train goes by. You have the full complement of points right now. Come on, Joe. Get with it. Uh, I'll be lucky to guess a number here that hasn't been picked already. Six. At the start of the movie, how long does Somerset have before he retires? And I'm, I'm going to throw you a clue, right? Mm-hmm. What's the title of the movie? Seven Days! <laughs> there we go. I'll give you the two points. I would have accepted a week as the answer as well. <laughs> Andrew. That would uh, be terrible, though, if you're like, what's the title of the movie? And I just go, one week. <laughs> <laughs> Four, five, eight, or ten. I'll have ten, please, James. Number ten. What is the profession of the greed victim? Uh... He is a defense attorney. He is indeed for two points, which means four, five or eight for you, Joe. Four. Where does Somerset find the word gluttony written at the crime scene? On the uh, victim's belly. Have you seen this film? (laughs) What was your second answer? On the wall. I'm going to give you one point. It's on the wall behind the fridge. And how does he, for a bonus point, Joe, how does he guess that it's behind the fridge? Or how does he work out it's behind the fridge? Uh, Because he can see the fridge has been moved. How can he see the fridge has been moved? There's marks on the floor. And crucially, when the mark on the floor was created, what happened to the bit of flooring that was chipped off? The linoleum ended up uh, in in his shoe. No, in the victim's stomach, they forced him to eat it. He ate it, okay. You give him the point, James. Come on, that's... No, I'm not going to give him any more points. Uh, Five or eight? Five, please. What's hanging from the ceiling at the sloth victim's crime scene? They are little um, deodorizing Christmas trees. They are indeed. Ten points for Andrew. Come on, Joe, get the full two points. What secret does Tracy tell Somerset in the diner? Um... She secretly likes the rain. She's pregnant. Major pregnant. plot point in the She's movie. Pregnant, right. I'm not yeah. convinced Joe's ever seen this film. <laughs> I don't think he has. But somehow managed to get four points with a little bit of help. But Andrew, <laughs> yes, 
10 points are yours. That means the full complement of prizes are yours. Uh, congratulations once again on your cash at the Irish Open and congratulations for winning this game of Superfan versus Stapes. Thank you, gentlemen. It's been an, an absolute pleasure. All right, my babies, we're just about out of time for this week's show. Coming up next time, it is the EPT Monte Carlo preview show. Can you believe that Monte Carlo has rolled around once again? Do you remember when we said after Paris, eh, we've got a little bit of time now before the next one? Nope, here it is. Next EPT, off we go. We did not have a little bit of time, but I am looking forward to it because I have got a pretty big chunk of time carved out in my schedule for Monte Carlo, so I feel like maybe there is a surprise we haven't heard about yet. Maybe. Well, if there's anything I love, it's being surprised by things on this podcast. Uh, how about this? I heard that maybe we're going to get Manig Lurzer to be the guest on our Monte Carlo preview show. Hopefully, uh, Mr. Walsh is going to connect us because, as you know, Manig used to live in Brighton, knows Nick Walsh really well. Uh, Manig, in the past, has offered to come on the live stream as a commentator. We've never been able to find a way of making it work because, obviously, he plays a lot. And, yes, he was the winner of the Monte Carlo main event back in 2019. He is the poster boy for this year's Monte Carlo Festival. So, yeah, hopefully we'll get him on next week's podcast. Excellent. Looking forward to that. And I guess Andy Wallace is the super fan, and his subject is Marvel Comics. So yeah, is that so the history we, of Marvel Comics or the characters of Marvel Comics? Or? I think it's all things about Marvel Comics that are not the movies because we have had a Marvel Cinematic Universe super fan before. So this is very yeah. much, I guess, about the characters, story arcs, maybe a little bit of history of Marvel Comics as well. Uh, we are getting super fans booked in now right up to it including the end of may but there's still spots to be taken if you've got a subject that you want to be quizzed on if you want to compete for prizes come on the show just like andrew did today hit us up there is a super fan applications channel on the pokestars discord server along with the general podcast discussion channel where we invite you to feedback on the show and also ask us questions and suggest stuff for the show and there is a link to that server in the podcast description all right, well, there you have it, my babies. We are, in fact, out of time for this week's show. Until next time, for James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later. Later.